Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. As we start, we're, we're in the series below the surface. Again, we're digging into the deep things, the things that we often kind of nod our head to, or we know it's there, we know it's talked about, and we think about it, but we wanted to just dig a little bit deeper to go in. And we're uh, through this series, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about salvation, what salvation means, what are we being saved from. We're going to talk about divine healing. We're going to spend a couple weeks on that. And then in the last week of this series, um, we're going to be talking about, remind me, second coming of Christ. the second coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We talk about that during Advent, but this is a good chance to dive into this, dive into this. Mm-hmm. So today, Pastor Stephen is going to be bringing the word, but we thought we'd start off by just uh, addressing a few questions that people may have about it. Uh, we thought we would just take a minute to, to answer a few things that are frequently asked as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Some of you have had this experience or had teaching on this for many, many years, and others of us are a little bit newer to this teaching, and are like, I don't really know what I think about this, you know? And so we wanted to take, a, take an opportunity just to, just to answer a few things and then dive into the last part of our teaching today, which is addressing the question, is the gift of the Holy Spirit for today? You know, was this just something that happened way back in the Bible, and then it stopped, and then what happens now? As well as, if I'm interested in seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? How do, how do I do that practically? And so one of our first questions is just related to some of the terminology that we read about in the Bible um, as it relates to this experience. Um, you may hear people talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, a prayer language, a heavenly language, being filled with the Spirit, the Spirit's poured upon. It's like, what are we talking about? And basically, we want to just simplify it and say, we're talking about the same experience, but there are different metaphors that are being used throughout the New Testament to describe this. But it's important to recognize that John the Baptist, when when he baptized Jesus, John said and prophesied in chapter 3 of John... Uh, actually, in Matthew 3, Mark, Luke, and John, it's repeated in all of these as well as reiterated by Jesus in Acts 5. But John the Baptist said that Jesus would baptize in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus himself, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, said these words, For John baptized with water, that was the experience of immersion, which is why we use that, that, ex- that expression about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized into the Holy Spirit. It's like we're saying, I want all of it. <laughs> Just as we cover the whole from top to bottom, we say we want a full a fullness of the Spirit living within us. But he said, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So in other words, this baptism of water is one experience. But Jesus foreshadowed that there would be a different experience that would happen of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, That expression occurs in all the Gospels as well as the book of Acts, but whether we're talking about being baptized in the Spirit, the Spirit coming, falling, falling upon, the Spirit poured out, the gift my Father received, the gift of the Spirit, the gift of God, receiving the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, full of the Spirit, this is the same metaphor, the same experience, just expressed in a little bit different ways. And a common question that I'll often have is this question. Do I have to speak in tongues to be a Christian? Have you ever asked that question or been asked that question before? You know, I don't speak in tongues, so that, does, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Well, uh, do I have to speak in tongues to be a Christian? Very simple answer, no. No. You don't need to mm-hmm. speak in tongues to be a Christian. You know, Jesus was very clear in John three sixteen that whoever believes will not perish, but will have eternal life. And then I love what Paul says in Romans 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead... You will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and that you are saved. And even when Jesus was talking with his disciples, if you remember, uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples. They were already disciples. They were already walking. They were already moving when he said, now go wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for this empowerment of the Holy Spirit that is going to come. So this is something that we speak to Christians, to disciples, to those who have already surrendered their life to God. The Spirit of God is in them. This is a subsequent work, but it doesn't, so, so speaking in tongues, it doesn't mean that, that now you're really saved or now, <laughs> now you're a better Christian or you know, now you're Canadian or whatever. So no, it doesn't mean any of that kind of stuff. Uh, this is an empowerment that comes to those who are already serving and giving their life to Christ. That's right. Um, so here's another question. Do I have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Spirit? What, why tongues? What is the, the thing with tongues? Um, I think many of us as, as Christians or as Jesus followers would agree that, yes, the Spirit can empower, but what about this specific experience of speaking in tongues? So let me just, I'm going to back up and give just a little background to backtrack. In John chapter 20, verses 21 through 22, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, so this is after the resurrection, he said, again, Jesus said to his disciples, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We've talked about how in Acts 1-8, he said, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to go forth as witnesses. And so here's the sending language. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So were they filled with the Spirit at that moment? The, the Bible talks about two different experiences. One that was, that was prophesied in Ezekiel 36 when he said, I'm going to put my spirit on you and your heart of stone is going to become a heart of flesh. In other words, my spirit will come on you in a way that's going to regenerate you from the inside out. This sanctifying, this, this transformative work. Paul talks about in Titus, he talks about the washing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the Holy Spirit coming to take residence in you whenever you say yes to Jesus. Whenever you give your life, you confess your sins, you believe in your heart like we read in that scripture. The Holy Spirit takes residence. But... After Jesus' resurrection, Jesus went on to say, so there's this experience of receive the Holy Spirit, and many scholars would believe that that potentially marked the moment when we would consider the disciples to have had that regenerative experience. But after that, he said, I'm going to send you, both in Luke 4.49 and then in Acts uh, chapter 1, both same author, Luke, the physician, the man of science and reason, logic, is recording the history of what's happening in both of these. And he writes both Luke and Acts. And in Luke, he says, I'm going to send what my father has promised, future language, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then that opening chapter of Acts picks up the same theme by saying, do not leave Jerusalem, that's the city they were in, but wait for the gift that my father promised which you heard me speak about for john baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with holy spirit again future language this was something that was separate from the experience we read about you will receive power acts 1 8 when the holy spirit comes on you future language and you will be my witnesses they were already disciples of jesus but they needed empowerment to do something else they needed the spirit of god in them and upon them to be empowered for the mission to do something that was beyond them. And as the group was praying in Acts 2, all in one accord, waiting in the city as Jesus had asked them to do until they were clothed with power on high, they have an experience that is recorded in Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. Take a look at this. When the day of Pentecost came, 
they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be. So they heard and they saw. They heard and they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So this tongue of fire that comes to rest on each of the people that are gathered, over 120 people that all have this experience at the same time. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So in, in the doctrine of, of our denomination, we, we uh, believe that the initial evidence, this is not the only evidence that the Holy Spirit's at work in a believer's life. There are fruit of the Spirit, there are gifts of the Spirit, there are a lot of things, but the initial sign of the Holy Spirit coming upon this group of believers and on many of us that we have that subsequent work that was promised as they spoke in other tongues. All of them spoke in other tongues. And we see that same pattern throughout Acts as different people receive the Holy Spirit. As Ananias prays for Paul three days after he's saved and he receives the Holy Spirit. We saw it with the Samaritans. It was done in Jerusalem, Paul in Damascus, the Caesareans in Ephesus. And it mirrors what Jesus said would happen in Acts 1.8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, which is like... Like, you're going to be saved and you're going to fill this filled in Jerusalem, which is like our Seattle, and then our Washington State, Judea, Samaria, happened to the Samaritans, and then to the ends of the world. That's exactly how it was said it would be done, and that's what happened. Well, I think it's really interesting, too, that the initial physical evidence is speaking in tongues, because what's one of the biggest things that gets us in trouble? It's our tongue. It's our words, right? And we talked a little bit about this last week, about how, you know, the tongue can set a forest ablaze with fire praying for no forest fires this year. No. <laughs> um, you know, praying that as we walk through that, that we would surrender it. And because that's, and even then last week, we, we, we leaned into that, that one word that it talked about, you will be my witness. Well, to be a witness, you have to use words. When a witness is brought before a court to testify, the witness doesn't just sit there and say nothing, right? That they could be held in contempt. You have to use words. There's this famous saying that's often miscredited to St. Francis of Assisi, the, 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 to preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Now, that, what they're talking about is our life should speak, right? Faith without works is dead. There needs to be this alignment of obedience, but we need to use words. You know, words have authority. And even as it relates to the witness part, that's why a lot of times when a witness comes forward to testify that the prosecuting attorney will do everything they can do to discredit the witness, right? To mm -hmm. bring up, well, they weren't really there or what they're saying is not true or whatever because if you can discredit the witness, if you can throw out the witness, you, you can throw out the case. Our witness, our testimony, the words that we say are so important because they're so important and because it's the truth that sets us free, speaking that truth we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to control mm -hmm. our tongue, our tongue moving forward. You know, and I think that's part of the challenge because another question that people will, will have, and it was a question that I shared last week in my own baggage and hang-ups and testimony with the Holy Spirit, is what about people who speak in tongues but don't seem to be any more loving? That's part of the, of the challenge, isn't it? That when we say that we're filled with the power of God or we're speaking for God, but there's no love, there's no grace, there's no, there seems to be this disconnect of, of what's going on, you know. I think that's why it's so important that as we go through this, that, um, that boy, every day I'm saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, take control of my tongue. Because it's, it's, a, it's a force that will change us. 
One of the works of the Holy Spirit is that as the Holy Spirit fills us, it doesn't just stop with our tongue. It transforms our entire body to order my steps. And sometimes taking control of the tongue is that when we recognize that we've said something wrong, the Holy Spirit will not condemn us, but convict us to then go and to say, you know, I said that, that's wrong. That was not of the Lord. That didn't please the Lord. Please forgive me. Don't you appreciate when someone does that in your life? Because it brings healing. And I think it's one thing the Holy Spirit does, that it humbles us because it doesn't mean when the Holy Spirit fills us that now we're perfect and now we do everything right. But now the Holy Spirit is leading us so that when we do make mistakes, that as disciples of Jesus, we run to those. What Jesus said, that if, even if you're at prayer and you're brought to remembrance that you have hurt somebody, what did Jesus say? Get up from where you are, go to them. Take care of it. And take care of it and make it right. Mm-hmm. This is part of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Mm-hmm. Also, along with that, the Holy Spirit's work in us should produce fruit. You know, Galatians 5 lists a whole bunch of it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. If, if the fruit that is coming from a believer's life is not looking like it's more spirit-controlled or spirit-empowered in those ways, they're becoming more loving, more joyful, more patient, more kind, then... You know, those are, those are things to have a check about. So be sure that you're watching that. But also, 1 Corinthians 14, 32 says, the spirit of the prophets are also subject to the prophets. In other words, the Holy Spirit is going to take control of you, but he's not going to make you do something. He's not going to take over your body in a way that says, you know, I will supersede your will in these areas. You have to cooperate with the work of the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit is what Paul talks about. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a process. And I think that's why as it relates to these gifts, because like some will ask, you know, is there a difference in like the gift of tongue and speaking in tongues, right? There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we walk at this, there's, there, there's that, that filling of the Holy Spirit, but there's also this gift of tongues that's often given to the body of Christ where it where somebody may give a word, and maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've been in a gathering, and someone has given a word where they've said something in a heavenly language, but there's also an interpretation that follows that. And even in that, where if there's no interpretation, then the one who gave it is required to bring it. Because when you say that I'm speaking for the Lord and flowing through, it's a wonderful thing, but there's great accountability for it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like, in, like, like in everything. The more th- to whom much has been given, much is often required. And so that's why when there's people that have walked in that, it's like it's important to recognize that though the Bible says judge not lest you be judged, Jesus was also very clear that you will know people by their fruits and that we walk in accountability with each other, especially in the body of Christ. And that's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. So it's something not to be scared of, but to also to be teachable and to be humble because when the Spirit fills our life, there should be great humility. There should be great teachability. And when there's arrogance, then we know there's something going on and we need to walk through. But ask questions. Questions are so important. That's how Jesus engaged. Where when he got with people, people were asking him questions and Jesus wasn't saying, stop asking questions. Mm-hmm. No, he was saying, I'm going to your house today. He's saying, no, I'm gathering with you today. So we need to welcome questions and walk things through and invite the Holy Spirit to teach us and to lead us and guide us in all those things. Yeah, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an everyday gift for every believer. It's very, it has this powerful moment, but it's also extremely practical in its use. And the gift of tongues that we see Paul write about in 1 Corinthians and in Romans is referring to something that's the same in essence, but different in purpose. 
So the gift of tongues that is given to every believer, that experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that is for every day. In your everyday life, it should empower you to, to live, to, to hear the voice of the Spirit, to witness in ways that each of us can carry forward. But there is also a gift of tongues that is given to the church. It's, it's a gift to the church. And it's interesting because in the ancient um, temple worship, there was a practice called babbling that was well known. So if you went to the temple of Aphrodite, you could hear people babbling in this gibberish. And it was basically to create this ecstatic, um, trance-like, spiritual experience, but there was nothing in it. It was meaningless. It was just this nonsense. And so when Paul is talking about the gift of tongues, he's very clear in his letter to the Corinthians to explain that when this happens in the service, there should be a clear distinction between what you might experience in a pagan temple and what you would experience in the temple of God's people, in the gathering of God's people. And that's why he says, I would rather you speak one word that's intelligible than all these other words. And yet he still says, but I wish that all of you would speak in tongues. Yeah, I love what it says in First John. It says, dear yeah. friends, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I mean, so we're called as believers to discern this. This, this is not a bad thing. It's a healthy thing. It is a healthy thing to where we walk through so that things are done decently and in order and we recognize where we are and what we're doing and flowing in it. You know, and as Stephanie continues just to, just to bring the, the word today, my prayer is that as a community that we wouldn't be afraid of this, that we wouldn't let a counterfeit, don't let a counterfeit keep you from the real thing. Mm -hmm. Don't let a bad experience keep you from the real thing. That's, that's what Satan would try to do. He would try to bring up bad examples or bad things, but that we lean into it, but also we walk as a family. And when, when we walk as a family, there's times that we need to ask questions. There's times that there's correction, right? But when we stay in that healthy en environment, we learn through that. And, and especially as there are new people, young in faith, just trying things out. Let's walk with grace but truth, but welcome them. Because as we kind of try things and as we walk forward and as we step out, how many of you know that you're going to make a mistake at some, mm -hmm. some point in your <laughs> life, okay? Then let's walk with humility and say, but let's bring this to the Lord. Let's be filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, what would you speak to us? Mm -hmm. And then walk in humility and truth. Amen? Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Stephanie's going to continue now. Before you go down, us. would you stand? Let's just pray. Yeah. We need the Spirit to give us understanding in these areas. Um, yeah. Lord, yes. we humbly seek you. Yes. Lord, we don't seek after an experience. We seek you. Yes. We seek the spirit of the living God. Lord, yes. we need you at work in our everyday lives, in our church. And Lord, we don't want the things that are confusing to us or that defy our logic to sway us any more than believing in you as our savior could sway us. Lord, we know that you come to us in our mind, our emotions, our intellect, Lord, all the parts of us that you've created. But Lord, we want them to be surrendered to you. We want every part of ourselves to be surrendered to yes. you. If that's your prayer, would you yes. just say, Lord, fill me today. Fill me, fill today. me today. Fill me today. Fill me today. Fill me today. Lord, we don't want to miss you. We don't want to miss what you're doing. And Lord, we are in a city that is so confused about you, a city that, um, that Satan mocks. Holy Spirit, fill us and empower us. To love the city like it's never been loved with the power mm -hmm. of God before. To reach out to the city like it's never been reached out to before. Empower us, Lord. Empower every disciple, every church that is seeking you today. May we be, be filled and empowered by you so that your kingdom, not ours, let your kingdom be built here, oh God. I pray for all of our leaders, 
Lord, that you would surround them and protect them because we know that as we step forward into battle, we are attacked. Surround us, lead us, protect us, and guide us and strengthen us in your name. Bless this word as it go forth. Let it, let it go forth with your power, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. We just want to take just the next few minutes and talk about just this one kind of last thing. Is this a gift for today? It's one thing to say, yeah, I see it as a historical record in the, in the book of, in, throughout the New Testament, but is this for today? Like, how can I know this is true? So, and I want to show you, um, in, every, in every historic revival that has ever happened, you can name it, the Welsh revivals, the Hebrides revival. I mean, you just, you keep going down the list of revivals and every single one of them, there was some measure of humanity that got in the mix, <laughs> that really kind of shaded the whole experience. And I had a pastor one time, we had a, a, a speaker that had come in and started to get a little bit off track in the theology and the pastor stopped the, the teaching. And he got up and he explained, you know, it wasn't this man was evil. Um, there was just a lot of humanity mixed in with what he was saying and how he was driving the congregation and pushing the congregation. And he was explaining, and every time it rains, there's a potential for mud. We live in this, this area, and every time it rains, we know not only does it bring nourishment, but there's also potential for some muddy places. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, there's always a mixture of the dirt with the divine as it relates to us and our humanity. But our prayer is that we would not allow those experiences and those negative things to become baggage that we carry with us for the rest of our lives. That keeps us from saying, I don't want any of it but to hopefully be able to lay some of that down and look at it fresh. And so even though this was a gift that, that showed up in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, I want you to see very quickly that the Holy Spirit was present and at work from the beginning pages of Scripture. This, even, even though this was something unique that happened at that moment of time that's recorded in the book of Acts, the Spirit had already been at work. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, "...in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth." And now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So even though this was an unfamiliar experience, it was still anticipated, prophesied, hoped for, and expected because the Holy Spirit had been showing up all the way from the accounts of creation all the way through the Old Testament. Let me give you some quick ones as we're going through. This word for spirit is ruach in the Hebrew. It's breath. Life force, energy, this invisible presence and power of God. It's the word that is used for spirit, breath, spirit. Same word. And in the Greek, it's pneuma. And if you think about pneuma and how we relate that to even words that we know, like pneumonia, as our friend Carl is recovering from, we know that it affects our lungs, right? Those places that we breathe in and breathe out. That's the word, the picture of the spirit that is used. And as the spirit was hovering over the waters, we noticed that the spirit was already active long before order came out of disorder. Long before things were set in motion and, and brought out of this chaotic um, desert, wasteland, abyss of waters, all of that stuff. The spirit was hovering. The spirit was active in that. And God said... Let us, he releases his voice, again, voice is being used here in this act of creation, and the visible becomes tangible, order comes from chaos. You notice the plural activity of the Trinity in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where it says, let us make mankind in our image. God alone, God the Father was not acting alone, it was the Trinity at work, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We already see the Spirit at work here. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, 
In the image of God, he created them male and female. And then Genesis 2-7, once he creates this living being, this being, it says the Lord God formed it out of the dust of the ground, man out of the, force, out of the dust of the ground, and then notice the next action. He spoke them into existence, he forms them out of the dust, and then he breathes in them, the breath of life. Two different words. He breathed, which is the act of blowing, the tangible, and he breathes into them something, this intangible, the breath of life, the spirit, the inspiration, soul. And it's interesting that even as we take in those new lives, baby Eden, Audrey is born, the first act of her life here on earth is to breathe in, to inhale. And the very last act that each of us will take someday is to, to lay it down. We inhale, we exhale the spirit of God. Job 34, 14 says, if it were his intention, if it was God's will to do this, and if he withdrew his spirit and breath, all of humanity would perish together and mankind would return to dust. We have the spirit of God in us. We have him active in us that gives us life, that animates our life, that gives us motion. In him we live and move and have our being. But it's only as God has it. It's on loan from him. God gives us that breath of life. We live. And because we live, we have the capacity to be filled with the Spirit of God continually so that the actions in our lives bring order out of chaos, so that the intangible things of God become tangible and visible to the world that's around us. Jesus talked about this like the wind in the trees. And he said in John 3, 8, he said, the wind blows wherever it pleases and you hear its sound. I can, I can use with my senses what I see. I can see its movement in the trees. I can hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. They may not know what is empowering you or giving you the capacity or capability to do the things you do, but they can see evidence of the work of God in you. The second thing I want you to notice in how the Spirit was always at work throughout the Old Testament is that there were specific instances when the Holy Spirit was poured out specifically influencing and empowering humans to do things beyond their natural abilities. So he's present at creation, but he also came upon, there were times in the Old Testament when it was specifically recorded, when he would come upon judges, warriors, kings, and prophets in a specific way that gave them extraordinary power, skill, prophetic words, wisdom to do something specific in a season. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit empowerment was not an everyday gift. It was a rare gift. It was something that was poured out only occasionally. The disciples knew this. But it was given for a very specific purpose and for a brief time. We see this with Moses in Numbers 11. Look at this scripture. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said, and he brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand at the tent, which is what God had commanded them to do. And then the Lord came down in a cloud, tangible, evidence of the Lord's movement, came down in a cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on Moses and put it on the 70 elders. But notice this, when the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied in that moment, that specific moment, but they did not do so again. They didn't do so again. And in Numbers 11, when people are saying, wait a minute, why is this happening for a couple of other people who didn't come to the tent like you commanded? Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? He said, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. That was the the desire of Moses. It was a tangible experience. It was also desired. I wish that everybody had this experience. The Holy Spirit plays a prominent role all through the Old Testament. Joseph, 
the craftsmen who built the temple in Exodus 31, Joshua in Numbers 27, Judges, Othniel, Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, all were empowered by the Spirit of God at a moment for a specific purpose. The kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, all had an experience of that. And of course, all the prophets um, throughout time that were written, that were empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak for God, to God's people, to bring correction, to bring an opportunity for change. And whether or not the people listened and, and heeded those instructions was on them because the Holy Spirit doesn't take over our will. We submit our will to the Holy Spirit. But in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29, a prophecy is given which would not be fulfilled in that moment, but would be appointed for a later time. And this is what the prophet Joel, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all, not just the judges, the kings, the prophets, these one-time gifts, but I will pour out my spirit on all people, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then Peter, on the day of Pentecost, confirms that that's the experience they have when so many are saved. And he said, this is the fulfillment of what Joel spoke. Joel's prophecy is different. It is for all. But the gift of the Holy Spirit to the church was anticipated, it was prophesied, it was expected, it was hoped for, and it happened. The Spirit was at work in creation all the way through the Old Testament, and the Spirit is still at work. The Spirit is still at work. Jesus said in John 14, 16 through 17, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you, how long? Forever, forever, not a one-time gift, but this is going to be different. He's going to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The spirit of God would come and is available for all of us that have received Jesus. Luke 24 said, Uh, Jesus is talking to them and saying, basically, everything that's written about me um, needs to be fulfilled. Everything that you've seen in the Old Testament, from from the law of Moses to the prophets to the Psalms, all these things had to be fulfilled. And he opens their mind to understand the scriptures. But then he said, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Doesn't that sound what happened at Pentecost? It will happen just as Jesus said. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed. Literally, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, resting upon you, until you've been clothed with power from on on high. And that's exactly where they were when the day of Pentecost happened. It happened as the church was gathered together, as this group of people was gathering together, waiting on God, and waiting for this experience, praying, praising, all in one accord. They, after a number of days, they are continuing in this daily practice of coming together. And then the Holy Spirit comes and inaugurates a significant and completely new era. The era of the church. The church as we know it. We are a New Testament church. We are living in the reality of what God did in the New Testament. What Jesus promised and in the, in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
that empowerment for witness. And Paul commands each of us to not only be filled with the Spirit, just as Jesus said, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but to be continually filled with the Spirit because we cannot continue the mission of God. We cannot carry this work forward in the world and be effective without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. There's a reason why Pentecostal denominations and movements are the fastest growing in the entire world, especially in the Southern Hemisphere. You will see that just explosive work. You don't see it as much in the, whole, in the United States, but it's true. It's a worldwide movement because the Spirit empowers and gives life to the witness. The Spirit animates and controls and, and t- takes over in a way that is beyond what they are able to do on their own. Some people so will ask, how often do you pray in the Spirit? Like, how often do you? I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was seven years old. I was very young. I had a very early awareness of not only sin, but just that, that gift, and I wanted it, and I saw it. I would come forward. I would pray, and some of the, the ladies in the church would come, and they would just pray over me. It was simple. It wasn't this loud, dramatic, scary experience. They were just agreeing with me in prayer that I would receive that experience, and the Holy Spirit baptized me. And there have been seasons of my life where I have deep, deeply, deeply depended on that, but now it's a daily thing. I practice speaking in tongues on a daily basis because I need that daily empowerment. There are times when I'm praying in the spirit in my mind, even as I'm listening, even as I'm speaking to you now, I have an internal conversation going on with the Holy Spirit to say, only speak what you want me to speak. Say what you want me to say. And that's how he empowers us every day. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm listening to this person share this this hard situation, and I don't have the wisdom to offer. I need your Holy Spirit to guide my thoughts. And the, the Lord has given me, at times, not only scriptures for people, but even at times, pictures. I had an experience last year where the Holy Spirit, we were praying for a person, and I had this picture that was so clear in my mind that it was just out of the blue in this very clear, vivid picture and I began to say, I don't know if this it means, so test and approve this, but this is what I feel like is, is a picture for you. And I began to describe it in detail. And she broke down and she said, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's in the back of my grandparents' house in the pond. And she described the scene exactly as the Holy Spirit had shown it to me in my mind. Is that my ability? No. Is that some clairvoyant, um, mystical? No, that is the Spirit of God giving knowledge that goes beyond my ability to know. And that's how he confirms his word and how he shows. Or a group of people come together and you're praying for guidance and wisdom. And you invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And you pray, you pray, you pray, you pray. And then you say, okay, what, what did the Holy Spirit speak to you? Well, I have a sense that, again, we're testing this. We're humbly submitting this to God and to each other for accountability. I have a sense that this is what the Spirit is speaking. I did too. That's the same. Yes, and you get that confirmation, and then you know you can move forward. That's, that's how the Holy Spirit works so practically, not just in this ah, experience, but in a very practical way to guide your steps. The Holy Spirit is at work. And he gives these gifts to the church. In Romans, in 1 Corinthians, and 1 Peter, there are several types of gifts, these charisma gifts that he gives. Here's just a sample of them. Not every person has all of these gifts. He gives them to the church, to each of us individually, as we seek him and as we allow him to work in our lives so that it benefits the whole church and moves forward the mission of God so that people can know Jesus. Here are just a few of them. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, 
giving, gifts of generosity. That's a spirit-empowered gift at times. I've seen that in different people. Leadership, mercy. 1 Corinthians 12, those were gifts in Romans 12. 1 Corinthians 12 lists another group of lists, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, like that picture. I, I didn't know what that picture was. But she knew, and the Holy Spirit knew she knew. Faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. You know, sometimes it's the spirit of God. Sometimes there's an evil spirit and you need to discern. We've encountered that at different times, even here at SEC, where we had to discern what is happening here. Is this the spirit of God? Is this just humanity getting away? Or is, or is the enemy at work here? Is this an evil spirit at work to distract or to divide or whatever? And you have to discern. The spirit gives us ability to distinguish that. Speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Healings, helps, guidance, a diversity of tongues, both tongues that are known, like in the day of Pentecost. Um, I was at a church in Kansas City, and I remember, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a man who was gifted in tongues and interpretation. He would speak, and then someone else would give an interpretation, or if nobody was there to give an interpretation, the Spirit would give him that sense. But, it, but then we confirmed it as a group of people. But I remember one time, he spoke in, in other tongues. He didn't know the language and then someone else gave the, the interpretation of that tongue, and someone else who was a guest that day knew exactly what it was because it was spoken in their language. Remarkable experience for all of us to watch the, the confirmation of the Spirit at work in that moment as one man speaks, another interprets, and someone else who knows a known language was there and present that day and bore witness to the truth of what they had experienced. And amazing things. But a diversity of tongues also means, as we see in the rest of the New Testament, sometimes in languages we don't know, that the Spirit empowers and gives us that ability to speak in a language that we don't know and we don't understand, but it becomes this beautiful prayer language. When I don't know how to pray, Paul writes, I can pray in the Spirit who prays through me with groans that cannot be uttered. I can't, I can't, I don't even know what to say, but sometimes in my weakness, I can pray in the Spirit and he knows exactly how to pray in perfect accordance to the Spirit of God. These are all gifts. And 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift, whatever charisma you have received to serve others. This is not so that you can be elevated on a platform and say, Wow, he is so holy, apparently, <laughs> because he, he uses this power gift. That's not the purpose. There are very practical gifts of service and and helps in all different ways that we can serve so that each of us can serve for other as faithful stewards of God's grace. The Holy Spirit empowers us and gifts us to serve in ways that we can't do in our natural capacity, just like he did in the Old Testament. He's active in the, New, in the Old Testament. He's active in the New Testament. So I want you to ask yourself, if the Spirit of God was present from the opening pages of Scripture from the very beginning of creation, if the Spirit of God was active throughout the Old Testament, if the Spirit of God was active in the life of Jesus, if he was promised as a gift to Jesus' followers, and Jesus said he's going to be with you forever, not just a temporary gift, and after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, he begins to play this central role in the life of the church and in God's people. And if the Spirit of God can embolden Jesus' followers to fulfill the mission of making disciples, empowering them to act in ways that were unmistakable proof of the Spirit's work, and if Paul affirms that the person and work of the Holy Spirit is valid and commands us to be filled and to keep being filled, this Holy Spirit who would be a gift to us forever, literally filled continually, and gifts are given to the church, if he's active from the beginning of creation until now, 
how could we possibly conclude that he's not a gift for the church today? There's no way you can come to that conclusion. We don't see it. There's no evidence that he said this is for now, and it stopped. It was a promise that was to be given, and there was no conclusion. And we see it at work in today. Let me give you a couple of practical examples of how this works. Because again, we talk about this power experience, and we, we forget that the book of Acts is written over a de- period of about three decades. You know, when we read Acts, we think, oh, it was one power encounter after the next, and the next day, and then the next day, and the next day, and all these amazing things happen. But these are the highlights of things that are happening over like 30 years of time. You know, there's a lot of every day in the middle of that, of the lives of these spirit-empowered believers. So a couple of things that have happened for me recently, just, to, just by way of testimony. Um, I went to QFC, uh, it was last summer, last fall, when I went to QFC. I saw this woman standing in the parking lot and walked by her, but noticed her, and walked in, got my groceries, walked out like 10 minutes later. She's still standing by the car, and I'm walking past her to get to my car that's two, two stalls away, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, go talk to her. And I get in my car, and I buckle up, and I'm thinking, I'm hot. I don't know her. She's going to think I'm crazy. And, <laughs> and I got into the car, and I started to drive away. And as I was leaving it, the Holy Spirit, it was almost as if he shouted, not audibly, but it was that clear, this internal witness that said, go back now and talk to her. And so I did a loop around QFC, and I came up, and I parked right next to her, and I got out of the car, and I walked up to her, and she starts to look at me, and I said, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt your day, but I just, I, I feel the love of God for you, and I feel like he wants to make sure that you know that you are seen and that you are loved by God today. And she was like, what? Like, and I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> and she said, I, I can't believe what you're saying to me right now. And I said, well, I, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt. I really, but I really felt strongly. And is there anything that I could pray with you about? And she just, she kept shaking her head and she begins to cry. And she said, I can't believe you're talking to me today. My mother-in-law is in QFC right now and she goes to a church, but I don't go to a church. But her son, I'm married to her son and he's in a gang and she listed the city where he is. He was far from there. They were separated. And she said, I have been just standing here wondering if God, if anybody even sees me or anybody cares about what is going on in my life because I feel hopeless. And I know his mom is praying for him, but I feel so hopeless. I don't even know what to do. A couple minutes later, mother-in-law walks out. She begins to explain. And I'm sitting in the middle of just this everyday life, Holy Spirit-empowered moment where God intersects this woman who's in a parking lot and loves her enough to stop what somebody else who's listening for the Holy Spirit to want that wants to respond is listening to intersect and tell her another story. Dwayne has his bus stories. I have one bus story. You know, God, God works through Dwayne all the time on the bus. He's, he's given me one phenomenal experience. But again, an everyday practical gift. I got on the bus, the E-Ride, and we were, we were coming out of uh, this downtown area. And you know how the buses have the hinge kind of in the middle? And there are seats that face each other if you sit on the hinge. They're not facing forward or whatever. So I was sitting in one of these hinge places because I like to see what's going on around me. And this, the bus stops and this person gets on the bus and immediately just folds in. And, and I'm thinking, 
okay, what's going on? And I start just kind of praying, Lord, if there's something you want me to say to her, would you, would you tell me what it is? And, and so I just started doing that. I try to strike up a conversation. I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? Yes, it is. And she folds in, turning away from me. And I said, do you live here in the city or where? She said, yes, I live on Capitol Hill. And she folded away. I said, oh, I love Capitol Hill. And I just started to try to just draw her out and nothing was, nothing was happening. And the Holy Spirit brought a song to mind. It was a worship song called 56. It's based on Psalm 56. And I was standing probably about this far from her, and I just began to just softly just sing under my breath. I know she couldn't hear me. She may have been able to hear me humming, but she wouldn't have known. Some of the lyrics were, be gracious, my enemies are all around me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I will not fear what man can do to me. You are keeping count of all my tears. And then the chorus is, I am confident that you are for me. I'm confident that you are for me. I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid. And all of a sudden, I'm like probably just singing for about five minutes and probably like, you know, like definitely not intelligible to her. All of a sudden, she turns and looks at me straight on. She says, I have so much fear. And I began to talk with her. The Holy Spirit knew that. And as I began to sing and just begin to pray about, I won't be afraid, you are for me, you're keeping count of all my tears, the Holy Spirit knew how to break through that wall that she was experiencing right then and to have a conversation. We went a couple more stops, she gets off the bus, I've never seen her again. And there were a couple of other revelations that God gave me during that time that again, she, she knew, but I did not know about her. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. As you're going about your everyday life, he wants to empower you to move and to act in a way that you can't in your own natural ability. So how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? We read it in the beginning of the service today, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13. Can you read this with me? So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's already promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, ask. It will be given. Seek. You will find. Knock. And keep on knocking. He sets up this, this passage by telling a story about a, a person who's been away on a trip and starts banging on his neighbor's door for bread. And he's like, go away, my kids are asleep, no bread for you, you know. But he was like, but because he was so persistent and kept knocking, eventually the, the man gets up and gives his friend some bread and helps his friend. And Jesus is saying, that's what it's like. That's what it's like, ask and keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking on that door until you receive it because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open to you because the Holy Spirit is given as one of God's good gifts for each of us. So if you have believed in your heart that Jesus is the Savior, 
that he has saved you, that he's rescued you. You confess your sins. You turn from them. Not just, well, I did this and this and this and this, and you go about living any way that you want. No, you, you begin to actively turn and dismantle. We talked about forgiveness and repentance being that ruthless dismantling of an old way and a diligent and vigilant rebuilding of new habits, of a new way of acting. That's what author John Ortberg defines repentance as. I'm going to tear this stuff down. I'm actively going to rebuild that. That's what true repentance looks like. If you've done that, then this gift is for you. This gift is for you. So one of the things that you can do, whether you're at home, whether you're with other people, whether we're praying in this moment, begin to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Some practical next steps. We've already said, pursue the gift, the giver, but not the gift. Our focus is to come into alignment with the Spirit of God, with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and to seek Him in all of our ways, to literally be saturated. You know, if you don't have a natural thirst, what is the quickest and, and only way to restore a natural thirst? You've got to drink water. You've got to begin to saturate yourself with the Holy Spirit. To, to seek his presence. And for those of us that in the physical know that I'm not, I'm not really thirsty very much, you know the only way to trigger that natural thirst is to begin to drink. I don't feel like it, but I'm drinking in this water right now until natural thirst returns. It's possible for natural thirst to return. Saturate yourself in the presence of God. There's no reason for fear. Make a request and desire known to God and to others. I really encourage you to take a step, and team, you can come, to take a step in letting somebody else know, whether it's taking a public step and, and saying, I, I want to have this experience, or you begin to just, whether you're letting Dwayne and I know, or somebody in your group, have someone else know that you are seeking after this gift and praying with you about that. But while you're waiting on that, rest. You don't need to work up this, this thing. It's not this laborious activity. It's the Holy Spirit's work in you. Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. And it's his work at you, not you working up to some experience. It's the Holy Spirit's work in you. So rest and wait and trust that God will give whatever he's promised. And then when the Holy Spirit comes on you, release your voice. You've got to open your mouth. You pray, and as you're praying, and as you're praying in English, then ask the Holy Spirit to just take over your tongue and do whatever he wants to do with that, whether you continue praying in that or he begins to lead you in an unknown, unknown language. You've got to surrender your voice, your pride, your will to him and say, God, I surrender whatever you want. And if the words come out and you don't understand, the very first thought that's going to come, because the enemy wants to take away every good gift that God gives, the next thought in your mind will be, how do I know this is legit? Like, am I just making this stuff up? But, he, but the words of Jesus were very clear. He's, if you ask for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. He can only give you what is beneficial for you. But he can't give you a counterfeit when you are sincerely seeking for him. You will not have a counterfeit experience. And we like our certainty. You know, as Westerners, we prefer certainty. <laughs> the logic, the things that we can explain beyond a shadow of a doubt. But this experience of God, the ways of God, the ways the Spirit works are, are mysterious. There are things that we can know about God. There are things that we can see as evidence at work. And then there are other things that we lay hold of by faith. Like Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the, the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that we can't see. 
There's an element of faith, but it doesn't take any more faith to receive the Holy Spirit than it takes to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior and that you can cleanse me from my sins. It's the same amount of faith. Again, this is his work and not ours. And so you can trust the words of Jesus that says, if you then are who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask, seek, knock, trust that he will give what is promised. Trust that he will give what is promised. Um, today, Dwayne, can you come up with me? Um, would you stand with us? We want to lead you in, a, in an opportunity to pray. Some of you have been filled with the Spirit, and I would just offer to you the words of Paul to say, keep being filled with the Spirit, daily, continually renewed. Use the language that God has given you to, to speak your praise, to, to acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, to seek His will in all ways. Be filled and continually filled with the Spirit of God. But for others, this may be a brand new thing. And your step today is just saying, you know what? I'm open. <laughs> I'm open. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. You can. You could take that step right now. And you could come forward and we will pray with you. You may want to reach out to us during the week and say, you know, I've got some more questions or I want to begin praying for this. But if you would take a moment, just every head bow head bowed and eye closed. Just a moment. And if, if, if I could just say something here. Um, yeah. This is about humbling ourselves. Yeah. Those who miss Jesus refuse to humble themselves. The Pharisees were unable to humble themselves. This is about humbling and saying, Jesus, if this is from you, this is you with the Lord. I want it. Holy Spirit, if this is you, I want it. That's why Today, as we head into this, you may just want to step out and just humbly kneel and just physically even, God, my body, I'm humbling it before you. I humble myself. I give control of yes, my thoughts, my life, everything to you. This is an act of humility. This is how Jesus led people. That's why with those who are arrogant, he called them to great acts of humility because... For Jesus to increase, I must decrease. I need yes. to die so that he may live. And for mm -hmm. some today, this may be like, this is a big act of humility. So you may just want to come forward and pray with them. You may want to just come up and just humbly kneel. You might want to go over into a corner and kneel. You just might want to kneel right now and say, Jesus, I don't want to miss anything. Holy mm -hmm. Spirit, I don't want to miss anything that you have. And if that's you, don't wait. Just respond now. Kneel where you are. Come forward and kneel. Come forward and pray. Jesus didn't make it difficult. He didn't make it difficult in the steps, but he made it difficult in that you must humble yourself. So if that's you, just respond. Don't wait. Step up from where you are. Kneel where you are. Come forward. Pray with one of these people. But God, I pray for us as a community that we would humble ourselves and pray, that we would Jesus kneel before you, that our physical posture, our posture of our lives would be one of humility, that we would decrease, that you would increase. God, may we not wait. Don't let a counterfeit, don't let the eyes, the lies of the enemy steal from us, rob from us. Because, Lord, we know what is stolen from us is stolen from those around us that we have influence on. Lord, I want everyone to know you. So we humble ourselves before you. And if it's your prayer, if you're saying, Holy Spirit, I want to be filled, just raise your hand as a sign of surrender, saying, fill me, Holy Spirit. Just do that even now. Holy Spirit, fill me. 
I've got my hand raised because I want to be refilled. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my tongue to you. Take charge of my thoughts. Take charge of my mouth. That the words that I say, the words of my mouth, and meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Just begin to pray. Just begin to speak. Begin to... To speak it out, to pray yes, it. Holy Lord Spirit, Jesus, fill me. Fill to speak the words. Don't let it be an internal thing. Let it be that witness we need to speak so that those around us would know. Begin to speak out. Holy Spirit, fill me. Just begin to speak that to the Lord. Begin to speak that to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me. I give you my life. I give you control of everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Just Holy begin Spirit, this we ask you and invite you in this place right now. Lord, Lord, would you embolden us to, to boldly ask and to keep asking. Seek, keep yes. seeking, knocking, yes. just keep knocking. Yes. Lord, I pray yes. that we would not grow weary in our waiting. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray where we are seeking for understanding. Lord, I pray that even as you open the disciples' minds to understand yes. the scripture, Lord, I pray that you would open up our minds mm -hmm. to understand the scripture. Yes. Lord, that you would understand yes, what has been written, what has been, what has yes, been said, what has been promised, and that we would receive and gain what, that good gift that just, you're holding out for us, just waiting for us to take hold of it. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, I pray that we would say yes to the movement yes. of your spirit in yes. our midst. In Jesus' name. Yes, as you are praying and as you are seeking... Um, I want to, to say a prayer of benediction, but for those of you that would love to come forward to pray, we will stay and pray. I know it is so hot, so I want to release you if you're ready to go. But if you want to seek, we will pray with you. We will agree with you. Again, we're not, you're not going to be shamed. You're not going to be embarrassed. Nothing strange is going to happen to you. We're just going to simply pray, just as we pray for healing or any other thing and believe and trust that God is able to do the work. We're going to pray and trust that God will begin that work in you, in Jesus' name. Yeah, if you're here, for, my, my biggest fear is what if I go forward and nothing happens? Like <laughs> what if I ask God and he says no? It's like a low rumble. Like Every time that we take a step, we're stepping towards Jesus. We're surrendering ourselves. So don't let that hold you back. God's not telling you to don't mm -hmm. stay back. Jesus is not telling you to stay back. The Holy Spirit is not leading you to stay back. Step forward, seek, and you will find so that you will be filled. You will be filled. Yeah. So as you leave, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name.